Psalm 1, starting at verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. How's that? There we go. Good to see you all. And uh, trust you had a, a good Christmas time and a warm welcome to you if you're here visiting uh, with family or friends or if you're here uh, for the first time. It's uh, great to be with you. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next three Sundays in Psalm 1, 2 and 4. I don't know what's wrong with 3, but somehow I haven't done 3, but uh, uh, maybe we'll look at a bit of 3 as well. But... Uh, I thought it would be good to start off uh, the year, finish this year, looking at uh, these uh, psalms that help us think about uh, who our God is and how we should uh, delight in Him and praise in Him. So as we go into Psalm 1, uh, let, me, let me ask you, how was your Christmas? Was it good? No! Well, that's a bit devastating. Uh, I've... I, I hope it was, you had a, a good time, and if it was hard for, hard for you this Christmas, uh, we're glad that you're here with us today, and we trust that you are, are encouraged in being with us today. As Christmas, all sorts of things can happen at Christmas, whether they're a great time to be with family or yearning to be with family, which is really hard um, and really difficult, um, to uh, difficulties with all sorts of things, to great joys, where we get to spend time with people we don't get to see all the time. We get to see the kids having lots of fun and all sorts of things and emotions that get brought up. This year Christmas was special uh, for our family because we had a chance to go back to Sydney. So we kind of ducked out Sunday evening last week and I got back in uh, yesterday evening. We actually got to spend Christmas, Christmas Day and Christmas Eve with our family in Sydney, which is kind of special. We haven't done it for, for four years and we potentially won't do it for another five, ten years, whatever it is. And so it was great to actually be there at Christmas Day. One of the great things about it was the food was laid on. Christmas Eve with my, my side of the family and Christmas uh, Day uh, with uh, Jen's side of the family, the food was laid on and both sides of the family thought, why don't we do something we've never done before and try these crazy new recipes? And so uh, one of my sis- uh, sister-in-law, uh, she bought a massive salmon from the Sydney fish markets and encased it in salt, completely covered it, cooked it in- on the barbecue and the salt went rock hard and kind of steamed it and there this massive salmon was and it worked and it was spectacular. It was like butter salmon. It was magnificent. But the problem when the food's laid on is you have a choice to make. You have two options. 
when the food is laid on before you. It's a first world problem, but it's a problem. One, do I keep eating or do I stop? You know what I'm talking about? At about, oh no, on lunchtime, on Christmas Day, it's about two o'clock, and there's still more salmon in front of you, and you know this isn't normal salmon, and you're not going to get it again, and I'm way past my limit. Do I keep eating? Maybe? Yes. You have a choice to make. You see, I think what we're actually seeing in Psalm 1, and you know what? Psalm 1 and 2 are like doors. Two doors that open the one room together, like kind of the entry into our, um, into our gym. There's two doors that open into the one uh, place. They kind of open up and introduce the, all of the Psalms to us. Psalms 1 and 2 go together in that way. And in Psalm 1, what we have is a choice to be made. God lays before us quite, quite plainly, quite boldly, There are two options in life. And the words aren't minced together. There's no hiding behind them. There's no kind of being subtle about it. There is the righteous and there is the wicked. They are the two options that you can choose. And that's what's laid before us in this psalm. If you've got a Bible in front of you, maybe keep that psalm open in front of you as we look at it. And there's a couple other passages that we'll go through, and I'll throw them up on the screen. But keep Psalm 1 open in front of you. You see, this psalm starts off with the choice of the righteous. The blessed, blessed, it says. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Blessed, to be happy, is the one. It's favour from God is what's lying behind that word. This happiness, this favour God has given you. You see, it's interesting what brings about happiness. It's God. It's favour from Him that brings happiness for this righteous. And it's interesting to see that it's one who rejects the wicked life comprehensively. See, the one who rejects the wicked life comprehensively does not take any advice from those who don't follow God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. That is, you give advice, I'm not going to walk in it. Because it leads me down a different path. Rejects comprehensively what sinners, those who reject God, do. Those who mock the righteous. There's not mostly, it's not some of the time, it's comprehensively. And what we see through this psalm is we see some kind of motions that we do in life. There's walking, there's standing, there's sitting, and it's all pointing to the entrenched life. Not walking in the counsel of the wicked. In verse 2, his delight, and then and standing. In verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. And then if you go in, in between, uh, we see sitting. Where's the sitting? I've lost it here. Can you find it? 
Verse 1, there it is, sorry, yeah. Or stand in the way of the sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Walk, stand, sit. Which is the entrenched life. You're not going to walk with them, you're not going to stand with them, you're not going to sit down with them, in that sense. The blessed reject this life. You do not let the service of God also be serving other things at the same time. It's quite kind of a full-on approach. We see that that this therefore means that advice from friends who hate God does not shape who you are. Advice from those who, who think that God is to be mocked or doesn't exist is not what the righteous one will do. So what does he do instead? What does he or she do instead? Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Delight is such a key part here. The response is delight. Not I suppose I'm better. It's an attitude of delight. And how? Well, we see what the, the psalmist is saying here, uh, presumably David's saying here, is what we have is how God has set up the relationship with you and me, that is what you delight in. So he says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. See, Stephen mentioned it earlier with the kids, the first five books of the Bible, the law... God's ways for his people Israel, how they're to relate to him, how they're to live, they're to delight in. It's not just something that you go, all right, God says you have to do it, so you've got to do it. Okay? It's not just like that time when after all the Christmas is done and you tell the kids that they've got to pack up all the paper and put it in the recycling bin. And they all say, fantastic, I will go and do that now. I don't want to play with my toys. It's going to be brilliant. That's right. That does not happen, does it? There's no delight there. If you're lucky, some of you may have had some kids do it begrudgingly, is my suspicion. But here, there's no begrudging about God's ways. It's a delight. It's a joy. It's a pleasure. His delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, God's ways. The way he set up the relationship. But it goes further than that. How does he delight in it? Look at verse 2 again. And on this law, he meditates. Meditation, I want to suggest to you, is an art that we are losing more and more and more. Even in my time as being a Christian, I've noticed it. And I'm not talking about hmm, meditation. I'm talking about God's Word says, uh, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. What does that mean in Ezekiel 28? Hmm, what does 28.11 say? And I'm going to ponder that today and think about that and... What's that got to do with what Ezekiel was talking about and thinking about it and wondering and contemplating God's word? I just opened up something random then. 
Do we, the idea that we meditate on God's Word, not just get a sermon on a Sunday, hear someone tell me about God's Word and I've got my fix, I think is being subtly lost in our context. How often do you think about God's Word in what you're doing day by day? And whereas the righteous man, the blessed, meditates, thinks about, ponders, wants to be shaped by. But that's not just the how. Let's get a bit of quantification about it all. How do we quantify? How how much do we do it? Maybe I'll just do it for 20 minutes a day and that'll be all. Meditates day and night. That is to say... We don't live by anything else other than the Word. And so everything we do is shaped by it. We're constantly wanting to be thinking about it. This is what, how the psalmist sees those who are in God's ways. Meditates day and night. I think maybe last year, or this year still, isn't it? Maybe I've been found wanting a little bit. Maybe 2016 needs more day and night in my life. It's maybe we need to think a little bit more like Joshua. You know, Joshua in the Bible is the guy who brought the people in after Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land and he became their leader. And he starts off and he says in chapter 1 on the screen there, after he says, you've got to follow the law that Moses has given you, those, those books, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua had the mindset that we are to have. As he talks to God's people going into the promised land, this is how you're to go about it. And if we do meditate on the Word of God, we know what happens when God's people don't and the strife they get into. Judges is the next book. And as I think about this more and more, and I wonder it more and more, I wonder whether you think a little bit like me, I wish I could be this man. And yet, I feel like I'm so far away from it. But verse 3 describes it further, and Stephen's already helpfully done that for us in in, in the kid spot. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. As we we heard, trying to keep plants alive is a challenge. Uh, If you come to our house outside of our um, uh, kitchen, uh, Jen May got an old crate pallet and cleverly put it together, um, uh, uh, at the back, filled it with uh, soil, and put all these beautiful plants in it. We've used it before in, other, in, in our other house, and we put it there with beautiful plants. Some of you may have saw, saw, seen all those beautiful plants, but we didn't quite think through that it's leaning on the back of a kind of aluminium fence, and it kind of gets to 40 degrees in Adelaide. Every single one of those plants is dead. It needs water. We need to put a whole, bu- whole bunch of succulents in there that don't need as much water to keep them alive there. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. A tree planted in the best conditions for its thriving achieves its goal of healthy, strong, not withering. God's law, his ways, reveals how life works with God. It's best, to re- it's best to figure out how to relate to him by his ways. When we meditate on his ways, it gives us every opportunity to have fruit, to be strong. And so, it's not surprising, in God's ways, it works out well. Even if it doesn't seem like it for a time and things are hard and on, even on this side of heaven it, there is lots of pain and suffering and grief. There's one side, one option. The other side is the wicked. Verse 4, it's a very different picture. Notice the contrast between 3 and 4. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. It was like when Stephen grabbed this and just kind of picked it up and blew it away like that. It's completely useless. That is chaff. It's the outer casing, outer casing of, of a grain and it's useless and it just, the wind blows it in all directions. Thriving, healthy plants in their best environment or chaff. They are useless. But the the drama gets worse because it's not just that they're useless. Verse 5 describes the result. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. They are useless because... We don't hide away from the fact that there is judgment that cuts down. You hate God's way, there is judgment. They are useless in God's eyes. And so, the ultimate picture is one of perishing. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous just to remind Everyone of the picture of verses 1 to 3. But the way of the wicked will perish. They'll no longer be able to give any advice. They'll no longer enjoy sin and be able to continue to do it. They can no longer continue to mock God and those who follow him and his way. Their prosperity, which often looks so grand and so spectacular and so magnificent, if there is any, is a fleeting moment because it perishes and it is gone. There are the two, the righteous and the wicked. What we see in this psalm is it provides us or with a clear and confronting choice and does this by introducing us to do two different types of people the righteous or the wicked 
These are quite simply your two ways to live. I could ask you, do you want to be wicked or righteous? Because you are one or the other. But the challenge, the challenge is for us, is that we don't get to determine what wickedness is and what righteousness is. Maybe all of us here in this room are good people in the world standard and we're nice. But that doesn't relate to what we're seeing in front of us. It doesn't count to say, oh, I'm not wicked because I don't seek to hurt anyone and I have morals and I try to be a good person and I believe in good things. That's not what the picture is here either. Because the righteous love God's way as God has determined. Is that you? If that's not you, the drama of this passage is that the other option is wicked and perish. But the problem is none of us are actually perfectly right with God. None of us can go back and look through God's ways and say, I've meditated on it day and night and I've followed it so magnificently. God is describing me in verses 1 to 3 of Psalm 1. Does anyone want to say that? Yep, that's me. Of course not. If we meditate on God's way, though, and we know that at Christmas time Jesus came into the world, he came into the world to fulfill the law that was designed by God to point us to Jesus. And then when Jesus came, what did he say about what is the most important laws? He said in Matthew 22, love God. And love your neighbor as yourself. He kind of summarizes it all like that. Do that perfectly, which none of us do. Is that except for Jesus? And so Jesus comes and he does something that makes us righteous. But all of this hinges on the fact that one who comes who is righteous, who can look at Psalm 1 and say, I am that, does something extraordinary to pull out wicked and make it righteous. Peter describes it very simply in, um, in chapter 3 of his first letter. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That is a, they're spectacular words. That Jesus, who came and lived perfectly righteously, who the Lord of all who created all things, who humbled himself, says, I will, be, I will deal with your sin. I will deal with your unrighteousness so that you can be righteous, that you can come to God. The spectacular news of Jesus is that he makes righteousness possible. The Christ suffered for sins. No matter what your not following God's way looks like, whether there are things in your past that are profoundly horrendous that you feel so guilty about, or whether you're a person who has tried to be a really nice person and generally hasn't done anything super horrendous but has lived the life ignoring God, 
both of you need the Christ who suffers once for sins to make you righteous. And the response today, as we embark on a new year, is to have Jesus at the centre of everything as the one who saves us. And the Psalm 1 is the door that is a warning to us. And the challenge for us today is to hear the warning. Follow God's ways. Even if it looks like the wicked are succeeding, judgment is is real, prosperity turns to chaff, perishing is the end, but God's ways are eternal. And so I want to encourage you today, even if you are here not expecting to be confronted so boldly on a couple days after Christmas, to consider, is Jesus someone who needs to pull you from being unrighteous to being righteous by his death? And the last point I want to make today is that the righteous are blessed and happy. So, love God's words, think about it all the time. See, I said earlier, I wish I was that man. We should and need to be more and more like that picture as we're being transformed into the likeness of God, of Jesus. And I think the key word for us is delight. What do you do when you delight in something? You, well, celebrate it. You embrace it. You enjoy it. When the kids get together, as we had all the cousins together this Christmas, the ten of them, and they're all opening the presents at the same time, it is mayhem as they're all just getting so excited. I thought Ethan was just going to literally explode with excitement. And then they all just went and had dinner. No, they, didn't. they weren't just excited. Then they used what they were excited about. They started playing with their toys. And the ones who got clothes were a little bit disappointed because you can't play with clothes, but there's excitement that then you use. See, the thing is, duty is good and part of the Christian life. But it's supposed to go so far beyond that. Stop and ponder who you delight in. Verse 6, he watches over the righteous, the creator of all, who knows you. Do you want to know him more? Do you want to understand more his ways? You want to know Jesus better? You want to really push yourselves in the ways of God. You want to meditate on God's ways more and more. Your attitude to music, to the Bible, to praise, to thanksgiving, to what you're doing at home and how you're thinking is all about meditating on God's ways day and night, God's laws day and night. And so Joshua, the one who told the people, meditate on his ways, he said, my family is going to do that very thing. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, he says. 
Joshua 24, verse 15. As he's told the Israelites to throw away all your idols, fear the Lord, get rid of them. And I want you to know, as for me, my household, I can tell you now, we are going to serve the Lord. Can I encourage you to be a Joshua household? To serve the Lord? To be transformed by his words? To be in it day and night? Take his way seriously. Make 2016 a year where you push yourselves more and more in God's word and to love it and to delight in it, not as a chore, not as in a task that you've got to add to as Bible study gets hard week in, week out. You're just delighting and thinking about God's ways all the time and talking about it. One of the things uh, we're going to do in our household and that um, I'm even hoping to do um, with my kids, I'm sure they won't necessarily last the whole time, is... Um, is uh, we've used a couple of the videos, actually, but if you type, that, type into the computer bibleproject.com, uh, there's all these amazing videos that summarise books of the Bibles and themes of the Bible. But they've actually just launched reading the Bible in a year. And with their videos and all the Bible passages that they've got, you can read all the Bible in a year. Wouldn't that be fantastic to do? To delight in the Lord so much that you want to cover it all. Even if a whole bunch of it, you're kind of going to go, what? I don't know what's going on. That would be fantastic, to delight in the Lord. Whatever way you read the Bible, we're going to have a crack at, um, at using the, the, the Bible Project's uh, way and, and uh, using all their uh, breakdown of the passages. Uh, and that's going to be fun to do this year. But can I encourage you to consider righteous or wicked and then choose to delight in the Lord and His ways? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that Jesus, the one who we remember coming into this world, came to make us righteous through His death. Help us to delight in you, to love your ways, to want to know who you are more and more, to push ourselves out of delight for wanting to be your people. We thank you for everything you have done for us and we ask today that you will, by your Spirit, instill in us a delight and a passion for your ways. Amen.